Hello and welcome to This Shit Really Happened, the true crime podcast where we deep dive into the most disturbing, depraved, and downright gruesome true crimes in history. My name is Em. And I'm Autumn. And we're back. What the, oh fuck, what did I say? I said Dennis Nelson part two, electric boogaloo going down the train. <laughs> Uh, starting the podcast off with laughing. <laughs> <laughs> hey, at this point, you know what? I list. I feel like I've talked about this like podcast on here before because I was referencing again. But there's this podcast I listen to. It's called Fucking. It's like real life, real crime, and mm-hmm. it's by this guy who used who was a, like a detective down mm-hmm. in Louisiana. And at the beginning of every single episode, he has like the same disclaimer. He's like. He's like, if you're going to get offended, don't listen to this podcast. Don't do it. And I'm like, you know what? That's the same vein. Like, Literally. Because over here, we got a dark sense of humor. So. Yeah, we're going to laugh. You have to laugh through the trauma. Other that, otherwise, then you're just fucked. Yeah, we're talking about freaking somebody, like... Getting chopped up. Right, and fucking get stomped down a drain like you gotta laugh at some right you gotta find you have to do what you can to find humor and yes otherwise gonna be some crazy yeah otherwise you just yeah right (laughs) otherwise you just sit here like wow that's fucking dark and i'm depressed (laughs) now i'm depressed and then you're not gonna get another podcast episode for like another month or two yeah we're gonna be depressed (laughs) it's gonna be another like fucking hiatus (laughs) Oh, man. Well, I mean, this one is coming out later than we said. We were like, we're going to have this out next but week. That, but to be fair, that was not really our fault, kind of. Um, It was my fault. Because it was both our fault. We were... um Slightly hungover. Yeah, I... I don't know what it was, if it was the seltzers that did me dirty or what, but I woke up Sunday morning with, like... It was a like, day drinking for me. It really screwed me over. I day drank on Saturday, and I was hungover by midnight. Yeah, dude. Like, I I mean, I, like, I wasn't up very late. Like, when me and Dai Dai got home, it was maybe, like, I don't know, 10 o'clock at night. I had, like, one more seltzer while I was up, like, chilling around here. And then I woke up, and I had the worst headache of my life, dude. Fucking I literally pulled out, I went and grabbed some of the freaking oxycodones that I had left over from my surge because my, <laughs> it was that bad. God. It, I'm like, I... Maybe it was a seltzer, because seltzer's give me a really bad Yeah, and that's exactly what I, but I usually don't get headaches like that with them, so I'm like, I Girl, don't. we're pushing 30. Ew, don't say that. Oh my God, it's birth month. <laughs> it's birth month. No, <laughs> <laughs> Any of y'all have been listening this to this podcast? Podcast for a while, know the uh, the crisis we're having mm-hmm. over turning yeah. twenty seven less than two weeks. Ew, don't even say that. That's Officially, <laughs> it was two weeks from yesterday. <laughs> I and hate then mine's it. Three. <laughs> I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Lucas asked me what I want to do for my birthday. I'm like, nah, I have a birthday. <laughs> <laughs> not have one. That's not. Not pretend like it didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like I'm turning. I'm gonna de-age. I'm turning twenty five. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm turning 25 this year, I'm going to de-age myself. <laughs> oh, man. Carter's being a ham on the floor right now. because big stretch. It is hot as... It is, like, officially getting into summertime around here. It is hot as fuck. Yeah, it's been in the 80s all week. It's insane. Busted the air conditioners out. Still fucking muggy. Got fans rocking. Still hot. We're in the dining room right now. Said don't move around too much. You're gonna start sweating. But I think next week it's supposed to. It's supposed to. Oh, and it's raining right now, so hopefully that drops the temp a little bit. I should open one of these windows, but I don't know which one of these windows A is not broken and B has a screen in it. So <laughs> I have to figure that out first. Um, yeah, anyways, we were talking before we started recording about where we left off last episode, and Dennis. Just got forced to move out of his one um, murder castle. And now he's moved into a new murder castle, so to speak. Even God. though he lives in these dirty, shitty little apartments or, like, not anything near a castle. Mm-hmm. His murder shoebox, because it's oh. fucking tiny. Also, disclaimer, if there's a weird pause, it's because we're going to make a wine slushie. Oh, yeah, so, you know, we'll just, oh, we'll just splice it together. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll let you know we're taking a break to walk away and come back with our wine slushies. <sighs> Um, yeah, so Dennis has moved into a new apartment, but he's, you know, run into a little bit of a problem because he doesn't have floorboards to shove bodies under anymore, so 
Um, he takes a little bit of a hiatus from, you a know, murder the murdering and the necrophilia and the Oof. cover on his body and talcum powder oh. and Ooh, jerking off in the chills. mirror. Just gave me the heebs and the jeebs. I got heebs and I got jeebs. All of it. Together, they are the heebie-jeebies. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's, that's what we're going to pick up. So he moves to an address at... 23D Cranley Gardens is his new apartment after he moves from the one on Melrose Avenue. So, we'll pick up with, with Denny Boy here. Um, for almost two months after he moves, um, he was, like, bringing people home, but these people got lucky because he was still trying to figure out like how am I gonna he's like I still got the murder itch but I don't have places to put these bodies or I don't know what I'm gonna do. The murder itch. Yeah the murder itch. So he lured a lot of people back to his apartment kind of the same MO he's gonna go out to a gay bar he's gonna pick somebody up or he's gonna fucking find somebody on the street however he does um but he just brings them home whatever they fuck or whatever goes on Cats are wrestling in the background. If you hear any jingling, the cats are wrestling. <laughs> yeah, I'm like a headlock. That's how they fight. This is ooh, very ooh, typical. Ooh. You guys are going to get hot. Ooh, ooh. I saw fur flying. I saw fur flying. <laughs> ooh, ooh, ooh. Oh, it's Smackdown. <laughs> Bubby's the laziest wrestler ever. He's like... <laughs> he's like, he could put your head in here, so I can put you in a headlock. Literally. He's like, come here, come here. Enticing him. Enticing come him. Literally here. just smacking him on the nose. All right, anyways. Oh, you know what sounds good? Oh, some chicken and oaky soup from Albert. I can't do anything hot right now, but we can stop. <laughs> <Don't> sidetrack me. <laughs> so, for these first two months that he's living at Cranley Gardens, he's bringing a few people home, but he's not assaulting any of them. He's not. He's probably still his weird-ass little self, because Dennis is a weird motherfucker. Yep. But at least he's not assaulting anybody. Um, for the most part. <laughs> he did attempt to strangle a 19-year-old student named Paul Nobbs on November 23rd, 1981. Um, but for some reason, he stopped himself from going through with it. Whether okay. he wasn't confident what he could do with the body after, or whatever else it was. He did attempt to strangle Paul, but for some reason, he's like, mm, can't do it, and lets him go. Okay. In March of 19... 19? 19? 19? 19. What the fuck was that? 19. I was, like, I was like a soul I'm possessed by just coming out and like... 19. 1982, <laughs> Dennis encountered 23-year-old John Howlett while drinking in a pub near Leicester Square. Dennis asked John to come back to his apartment to keep drinking, and John accepted the invite. So, sticking with his M.O., Dennis is a man of habit, apparently. Um, Dennis and John ended up drinking and watching a movie until John got to be too tired and decided to go to sleep. He fell asleep in Dennis's bed, and Dennis stayed up for another hour or so just watching John sleep and contemplating if he was going to murder him or not. <laughs> Fucking freak. Could you imagine, like, just sleeping and unbeknownst to you... The man whose home you went home with is just fucking sitting up staring at you thinking about if he's going to murder you or not. Ugh. So, in the end, Dennis decided that, yes, he was he was going to kill John. Yep. I'm going to murder you. Dennis I've decided. <laughs> I've decided. It's going to happen. It's going to be you. So, as he usually does, Dennis attempted to strangle John, during which John woke up and started to fight back, mm-hmm. even trying to flip the switch and strangle Dennis himself. Ooh. Dennis ended up using an upholstery strap to strangle John into unconsciousness, after which he had to flee back into, this is his words, he had to flee back into the living room to calm down because he was shaking from the stress of the struggle, quote-unquote, having truly thought that John was going to actually overpower him. So it's like, shit, I almost died. (laughs) It's like, bro, how many people have you murdered at this point? A million. I lost count. A I million. genuinely lost count. It's like all the name, like known victims and all the unknown victims. I'd be like, yeah, I murdered this one and this one and this one and this one. I fucking, I lost count. But one manages to get a little bit of a jump on me. He's like, oh my god, I almost died. <laughs> I almost died, but killed all of these people. Seriously. Fuck you, Dennis. You know what's crazy is that murderers are afraid of getting murdered. Yes. Yes. It's like, you're doing that. You're murdering people. You and, fucking right, and yet waffle. the experience of almost being killed yourself would not 
like, I mean, what's it to a sociopath? They can't feel empathy anyways, but Mm -hmm. it's like any normal person who goes through an experience like that would be like, wow, so like this is how people feel when I'm doing this to them. And maybe that would make you not want to murder people anymore. But Dennis is like, no, I'm too, I'm too horny for death. I got to keep murdering. Too horny for death. Two? Oh, the number, no. The number two <laughs> horny for death. New merch. D-E-G-H. <laughs> New merch. Too horny for death. With a little devil. Horny. Too horny for death. T-M, T-M. Trademark D-E-T-H. D-E-T-H. Oh, my God. We still have to have my sister make the Wamblam. Yes, and the other one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Two horny for death. Wait, let me put that in my house. Oh, my God. We're going to make that merch, catch that on the merch store sooner or later, you guys. Two horny for death. D-E-T-H. Two horny for death. Horny spelled like H-O-R-N-E-E. Horny. Two horny for death. No, and W-H-O. Oh, my God. Anyways. So, yeah, almost dying gives Dennis no fucking empathy. Um, so he strangles Dennis into unconsciousness. Um, and on three separate times over the following 10 or 15 minutes or so. Um, so at this point, Dennis is only unconscious. He's been strangled into unconsciousness. Okay, so he's not dead yet. Yeah, he's not dead yet. So okay. over the next 10 or 15 minutes, Dennis unsuccessfully attempted to kill John after noting he had resumed breathing. So he's trying to strangle him again. And then John's like, oh, not dead. Um... So and Dennis is like, time to die. <laughs> Dennis is like, what the fuck? He's like, third time's a charm, and then it doesn't happen. So time he, to die. he decides to go with his other tried and true method of filling his bathtub with water and drowning John in the bathtub. And now he's faced with the dilemma of what to do <clears throat> with the body. So this is where he comes up with his grand idea to dissect it and flush the pieces that he could down the toilet. So this was a lot of, like, soft tissue, like, organs and things and small bones. He's not, like, flushing, like... An arm. Exactly. So, Mm -hmm. like, finger bones, internal organs, whatever he can get into the Right, that's not going to have a... I almost said long, hard. I'm like, I don't want to use that descriptor. Um, That doesn't have, like, a large bone, basically. Mm -hmm. That's going to not flush down the toilet. Yeah. Um... So, the next man to encounter Dennis was 21-year-old Carl Stodder, whom Dennis met at a pub called the Black Cat Pub, which was in Camden. While drinking together, Carl told Dennis that he was depressed after having just ended a relationship, and Carl was also going through somewhat of a crisis about his own sexuality. And from their conversation, Dennis concluded in his head that he thought Carl was effectively telling him that he wished he was dead. And Dennis is like, you know what? I can do that for you. I can I can you give you this service. Guess what? That is my special. It's like, wow, what a surprise that we've met here on this night. I happen to, to be an people. expert. To be an expert on murdering people. It's like, why don't you come back to my house? <laughs> so Hey, why don't you would you like to see my resume? <laughs> Not the resume. He's like, you want to see the body parts? I still got stashed in this little cupboard over here because I don't know what else to do with them. And if like you like them, I can do the same thing to you. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, it's an offer. I got a gallery. But like, if you come home with me, it's not really a choice. <laughs> right. So once you come home, just so you know, you're not backing out. No takes these backsies. <laughs> Or no, gives these backsies. <laughs> you can't be an Indian giver here. <laughs> <laughs> So, as he does, Dennis invites Carl back to his apartment, promising him that nothing sexual was going to happen. They drank together until Carl fell asleep, only to be woken a short time later by Dennis on top of him, attempting to strangle him and telling him to stay still. Which, like, bitch! What do you mean, stay still? What do you mean, stay still? You're trying to strangle You stay still! Get your hands off my neck! (laughs) Um... So, spoiler alert, Carl does actually survive this, and he does oh. testify later at Dennis's trial. Mm. And during his testimony, um, Carl recalled that he initially thought that he'd gotten tangled up in the sleeping bag that he'd fallen asleep on, and that Dennis was just trying to free him from the sleeping bag. Like, that was his first thought when he woke up. Mm-hmm. Um, as he's being strangled, Carl is going in and out of consciousness, mm. and throughout this time, he can vaguely remember hearing the sound of running water before mm. realizing that he was being brought into the bathroom and that Dennis was 
about to, like, push his head under the water. Yeah. So Dennis does push his head underwater, and Carl is fighting against it the entire time. And at a certain point, he does succeed in, like, lifting his head up from the Mm -hmm. water. Um, And he starts pleading with Dennis. He says, quote, no more, please, no more, before Dennis just, like, shoves his head back under the water. Um, He's like, don't care. Literally. He's like, shut the fuck up. (laughs) Like, literally a psychopath. Mm -hmm. A genuine psychopath. He has no fucking empathy for anyone. We love that. And by love that, I mean, please don't ever let me meet somebody like this in my fucking life. I will run. I will run the opposite way. We might talk about this, but that doesn't mean I want you near me. Mm -mm, Nope. No, thank you. No, thank you. No, T.Y. No, T.Y. No, T.Y. to death. No, T.Y. to death. Um, in one of his memoirs, Dennis recalls his reasoning for why he hadn't killed Carl. Uh, it's kind of long, but it's a, it's a quote straight from Dennis about this. He wrote, quote, When I revived him, it wasn't so much a change of heart, but an accident of luck and circumstances. While I was carrying him into the bathroom and while I was holding him under the water, he was in a sexually aroused state. And up to his moment of submerged unconsciousness, the milk of his seed streamed in spasmodic jerks into the warm water of the bath. But his premature ejaculation had ruined the flow of my fantasy, and so I put him to bed, and his embraceable warmth was all there was left, having exhausted my friction of interest in him through drink and fatigue. Within the ritual of my fantasy need, he had served his passive role as a young, naked male body to be ministered and used. So because he came. Yeah, he's like, that really broke the flow of my fantasy, man. So I'm like, like, hmm... Now it's ruined for me. So you can go home now. So you can go home. I'm just, I'm going to carry out the fucking bathtub, man. I can, you really, you really broke what I had going on here. And Carl's like, thank the fucking Lord. <laughs> Literally, he's like, bye. <laughs> like, thank God you're a specific kind of sicko that if it doesn't happen the exact way you envisioned it, you're like, JK. I'm done. A murderer just gone. Yeah, no more murder. I don't want to murder you anymore. But yeah, this is like, and the way he writes about this stuff is so fucking like, you're not Shakespeare, you asshole. You're a literal see. Shut the fuck up. He's literally like, hmm, this is gonna. Well, it was turned into a book, was it not? Well, yeah, I mean, um, but yeah, I guess. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> see, this is the thing about serial killers. They do it. Also, some of them do it to become famous, and they do. Yeah, that's very true. They want to be movies. Oh my all god! That. Yeah, like people who make. That's why I think it, it's like Ted Bundy. It's a law in the United States that if like, I'm pretty sure if you're like convicted of a crime that you can't make money off of it. Because there were so many people that like mm. serial killers, murderers, whoever that were selling their stories and making boatloads of money off selling stories and their families are like what the fuck (laughs) like you're making hundreds of thousands of dollars selling the story about how you murdered our family members yeah and so the u.s government was like "Mm, yeah i feel like all proceeds should go to the victim's family that happened with um jeffrey dahmer's father when he Mm. wrote the book about raising jeffrey dahmer Mm. um the families of the victims sued him yeah and they got all the proceeds of the book because he made lots of fucking money off yeah. off that book um and they're like like all the ted bundy movies there's like five different ones right yeah and if like ted bundy was like like bro, you, you have you to give me money for, for one and then fucking um chad michael murray for yeah. the other ted bundy when did he die i know he's dead but i can't remember when he died Girl. i wouldn't know let me google it but yeah google that google that while i continue so, after attempting to drown Carl, Dennis places him in an armchair. He covers him with blankets, and then he starts, like, rubbing his arms and his legs Bundy to... Bundy was executed at Florida State Prison in Rayford on January 24th, 1989. Rip in pieces, Ted Bundy. Um, so, Dennis has Carl in this armchair, and he's, like, rubbing his arm... Because he's... First and foremost, he tried to drown him in, like, ice-cold water. So, not only was poor Carl strangled, attempted to be drowned, now he's, like, borderline hypothermic... So Dennis is, like, rubbing his arms and his legs, basically trying to, like, you know, like, you're cold, you rub your arm to try to increase circulation and get warmer. That's what Dennis is doing to him. When Carl comes back to consciousness, Dennis embraced him, like, hugged him, and explained to him that he had almost strangled himself after getting caught in the zip of the sleeping bag and that Dennis had just been trying to resuscitate him. In the bath? Yeah, right. 
like in the fuck by shoving my head. Like, bro, I, I under the I bath water. came up and pleaded for my life. Yeah, and, and you're still gonna, tried to drown me. And you're gonna tell me that? So I was just trying to resuscitate you. I was just trying to resuscitate you, dude. I was like, in your head what in fucking world? <laughs> in what fucking world? So, Dennis actually kept Carl in his apartment for the next two days, during which Carl continued to go in and out of consciousness. When Carl regained enough strength to ask Dennis about being almost drowned, mm-hmm. Dennis explained again that Carl had gotten stuck in the zip of the sleeping bag after having a nightmare and had nearly strangled himself, and Dennis said he'd placed Carl in the bathtub because Carl had been in shock. Like... And Carl's like, again, you held my head <laughs> under the water. I came up. I pleaded for you to stop. And, and you still sh- tried to draw me. What? I'm sorry, what? <laughs> so after those two days, Dennis ends up taking Carl to a nearby train station where he says farewell to him. And he told Carl that he hoped they'd be able to meet again one day in the no. future. No. And Carl's like... Nope. <laughs> I'm getting no. the fuck out of here. Nope. And nope, I nope. never, every brother was like flipping him off. <laughs> I literally would have been like, <laughs> like Yo, I'm going to popo, fucker. <laughs> fuck you, dude. Yeah, it's just, it's so sad, too, that there were so many, like, there were a few opportunities yeah. for him to get caught, but the men that were his victims that survived were so wary of going to police because, like, of the attitudes that were on. Um, against like gay people at the time they didn't want to go to the police they didn't want to tell them that they went home with this man because we're like oh so you're gay Uh, (laughs) and then that was going to open up a whole other can of words for them so you know just like with the whole jeffrey dahmer he was like yes i don't want to come in and yeah like that poor boy could have been saved literally literally and they were like, I don't want to come was, in he and was like catch 14, your right? Yeah. yeah, that was his youngest one. Because he, his, that one's older brother almost got killed by Jeffrey Dahmer and got away. Because he came oh, home yeah, and fucked he, up. Oh, yeah, and he, like, raped him. Yes. God. Jeffrey Dahmer was a sick fuck. These people are this all is my sick boyfriend. Yeah, and meanwhile and he he's, bleeding like, bleeding from, from Yeah, literally. And, like... His ears and shit, and mm. fucking can't stand, can't talk, can't. Mm. Keep, That's my boyfriend. Like, bro, all we you had to do was just take that kid and be like, you know what? We're gonna take him. Mm. We're gonna take him to the hospital. Mm. Instead, they're like, I don't want to. I don't want to get any of that. So fuck all y'all people. Literally. So much of the shit could have been prevented if mm. y'all weren't homophobic. homophobic pieces of shit. Yes. Agreed. Agreed. Should we check the ice? Um, what time is it? 7.48? I think um, I got here at like 7. Let's give it, let's give it like 10 more minutes. Okay. That should be good. We'll go through one more victim and then we can check the other. Okay. Ones. All right. So, there was another unnamed young man that Dennis met in 1982 at the Golden Line Pub in Soho. Um, in the memoir that Dennis wrote, this man is referred to only as Roy. And it does say in the memoir that Roy is not his actual name. Um, Dennis invited Roy back to his apartment, offering him a place to stay, since Roy had told Dennis that he was currently somewhat homeless. Um, Neither Dennis or Roy had been drunk, so Dennis just waited until Roy fell asleep to start fondling him and fantasizing about murdering him. So I have another snippet from the memoir. Um, It reads, quote, I thought of bashing him on the head with a blunt instrument but couldn't do it. I thought about stabbing him to death with a kitchen knife, but could not do that either. I thought about tying his sleeping legs together and then strangling him, but couldn't overcome some restraining inhibition blocking the forefront of my mind. Was it pure cowardice or was it something else? I remembered feeling it was important not to damage his body in such a way as to mar the purity of the image in my fantasy, and I couldn't bear to think of his smashed head or any stab wounds on him. I had visions of his blood fountaining all over the walls and ceiling as he struggled, dying against an unremitting bludgeoning, and the noise of his last desperate screams would no doubt wake up the whole street. She's like, shit, that'd be messy and loud, Mm -hmm. and I don't want to mess up the body because I'm going to, like, have sex with it later. So, like, I can't do any of these other things. So I guess it's the old strangle and drown method for me. Ugh. 
Um, so eventually, again, after kind of going back and forth with it the same way he'd gone back and forth with it with John, um, Dennis did eventually decide that he would try to, um, he kind of goes a different route here. He's kind of, you know, great trying, uh, try, trying out, trying out some different things here. So he decides that he's going to try to force Roy into a deeper sleep through smoke inhalation. Um, so what he does is bring like a small electric heater into the bedroom and he lays a wet towel over it. Um, cause the start towel, fire. right. The towel's going to start. It's mm-hmm. not going to catch a fire because it's wet, but it's going to start smoking. Mm-hmm. So it works mm-hmm. and the room successfully starts to fill up with smoke. Um, so while that's happening, Dennis is like, I'm going to go run a bath to drown him in. Tra-la-la. So Dennis goes off to run a bath. Um, but instead of putting Roy into a deeper sleep, the smoke wakes him up. Um, so Dennis again is in the bathroom. He's running his bath and he hears Roy wake up. So he runs back into the bedroom. He's like, shit, 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 shit. And he plays it off like he'd been running the bath for himself to take the bath and that the towel must have just fallen onto the heater by accident. He's fucking up. Yeah, right? And so, with his little plan foiled, Dennis just gets back into bed with Roy, and the next morning, they have sex, and then Dennis, like, lets Roy leave the apartment. No, I'm surprised he didn't scream all his way here. Um, Visuals for those listening, Mm -hmm. Bubby just came in carrying a little mouse toy in his mouth. I thought it was a real mouse. mouse. (laughs) I'm like... You better get the fuck away from me. Usually, though, when he does that, he, like, yells, too, to, like, let you know that he caught something. God. <laughs> but it's just a little, well, thank you so much for Mouse, Bobby. That was so nice of you. All right, so we'll break fun. here. We got we got some ice cubes to check, so, you know, it'll be a few minutes for us, but for y'all listening, it'll be like, we never left. Literally. <laughs> and we're back. Our ice cubes were not frozen enough. <laughs> they were not ice cubing. <laughs> yeah, no. We're trying to freeze wine, and... Alcohol doesn't freeze very well. No. <laughs> and I also feel like my freezer is not the coldest freezer in the world. It's not, it's not doing a very good job. That's okay. It's not doing a very good job. So. All right. Back to fucking Dennis. Yeah. So. He lets Roy leave the apartment after, you know, his plan of trying to put him to sleep with smoke fails yep. miserably. God. Um, He's fucking up. He is fucking up. He really is fucking up. He's like, what is he like? He's like 50% success. No, he's at like a 25% success rate right now. He has tried for four. He murdered John. He fucked up on Paul. He fucked up on Roy. And he fucked up on Carl's. He's he's a one for four. One for four, Terrible. Denny Boy is. So oh, um, boy. his next successful murder, it feels weird saying it like that, um, what happened in October of 1982. This was uh, 27-year-old Graham Allen. Graham had been trying to hail a taxi when Dennis approached him and asked him if he would like to accompany him back to his apartment for a meal. Um, which, like, if somebody just... Random? I kept this... This was, like, back in the day. I know it was different, but whatever. Not victim shaming here. But if some random motherfucker on like, the street... Hey, you want to come back to my house? Came up... Y- no. <laughs> no, I don't. Not at all. New friends are for dead people. I don't make new friends. Me either. No. Don't. Mm-mm. It's not happening. Not that nice but of a person. So. I feel like we as women just intrinsically yeah. understand that. Like, don't go back to somebody's house with them. But I feel like that's not Especially necessarily. If it's like somebody that you don't know. That just walks up to you on the street. It's like, hey, oh my God, hey, you want to come over to my house and like have a meal? No. I'd be like, fuck no, we're not, we're not trying to get murdered. Nope. But for like men, that's like, they're like oh my God, I'm making a new friend. And we're like, you're going to murder me. They're such simple creatures. <laughs> <laughs> Men derogatory. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> um, so like with previous victims, Dennis stated that he couldn't recall the exact moment he strangled Graham, but he did recall approaching him as he sat eating an omelet with the full intention of murdering him. Poor Graham is just trying to eat his fucking omelet and Dennis is like rubbing his hands, I'm gonna fucking strangle you. <laughs> like a little, little fly. Yes. Like he literally rubbing his fucking fingers together. Ugh. Nasty ass. Ew. Fucking gross ass Dennis. Ew. Disgusting. Ooh, I hate it. I hate it. I don't like it. Let I don't lay. like it. I hate it. Let I hate lay. it. 
I literally hate it. I literally hate it. Anybody who's listening who's, like, from the UK, or sorry. like, we're sorry. <laughs> we're so sorry. Sorry anytime that I just we do, butchered an accent. Anytime we do an accent, if you're from the place that we're trying to do the accent of, we apologize in advance. <laughs> Take this as a blanket apology. <laughs> For any future and past yeah, attempts. Right. <laughs> past. What was it when we did the last Australian case we did? Oh my god, trying to do an Australian accent. Butchered. Can't, can't, butchered sorry. it. Butchered it. So, um, Dennis did, again, strangle Graham to death, and he kept Graham's body in his bathtub for three days before he began the process of dissecting it. Um, he also called sick into work on October 9th, again, likely so he could finish the disposal of Graham's body. He's like, I'm, <coughs> I'm sick. And his employer's like, boo, you whore. But he's like, I got a body to dissect. <laughs> boo, whore. you whore. Um, Dennis's final victim, 20-year-old Stephen Sinclair, was murdered next on January 26, 1983. Dennis met Stephen at another gay pub and invited him back to his apartment. Shortly after arriving, Stephen ended up falling asleep in an armchair. Knowing that Stephen was passed out from drugs and alcohol, Dennis crafted a ligature from a necktie and a rope and used it to strangle Stephen to death. Before killing him, Dennis recalled that he got down on his knees in front of him and said, quote, Oh, Stephen, here I go again. Once Dennis was sure Stephen was dead, he stripped his body to begin his ritual. Weirdo. Noticing that Stephen had bandages on his wrists covering several deep cuts that were clearly self-inflicted. After bathing Stephen's body, Dennis brought it to his room and covered it with talcum powder and laid it on his bed. He then set up three mirrors around the bed before getting on the bed himself and laying next to Stephen's body where he continued to touch and fondle it. He also set up Stephen's body on the edge of his bed solely for the purpose of letting it fall onto the floor as he was aroused and excited by seeing how limp Stephen's body was when it fell. He, like, set it up on the edge of, like, teeter off and just, like, slumped to the ground, basically. Oh. And I was, like, I didn't include any quotes from the memoir about this, but he was, like, he literally wrote, like, a fucking paragraph and a half just about, like, how like arousing it was for him to see just the way that the body just like limply fell on the ground like ew ew (laughs) i don't know what else to say about him he's just fucking gross and weird disgusting and rotting in hell rotting in hell hopefully seriously like what the fuck dude what the fuck Mm -mm. (sighs) dennis um Ended up falling asleep next to Stephen's body in his bed, and it was the next day that Dennis began dismembering him. Great. The various dismembered parts were wrapped in plastic bags and stored in either a wardrobe, a tea chest, or within a drawer located beneath the bathtub. The bags used to seal Stephen's remains were sealed with the same bandages that Dennis had found on Stephen's wrists. Dennis attempted to dispose of the flesh, internal organs, and smaller bones of all three victims killed at Cranley Gardens by flushing their dissected remains down his toilet. In a practice which he had conducted with several victims killed at Melrose Avenue, he also boiled the heads, hands, and feet to remove the flesh off these sections of the victims' bodies. On February 4th, 1983, Dennis, Dennis himself, this is the wild thing, Dennis himself wrote a letter of complaint to estate agents for Cranley Gardens complaining that the drains were blocked and that the situation for both himself and the other tenants at the property was quote-unquote intolerable. Like, bro, they're clogged because you're flushing body parts down them. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to blow the whistle on myself. You know what? I need the drains unclogged so I can clog it some more. <laughs> yeah, so I can put more body parts down the drain. So y'all gotta this is get over very here. Inconvenient. It for is me. intolerable for me that I can't flush more body parts down this drain. So get your ass so over get here. Get over here and snake this fucking drain. <laughs> Start writing letters to the city. <laughs> like what the fuck, dude? Oh my god. I mean, it's a good thing, because who knows how many other people he would have actually killed before he got caught, so fucking... No, seriously. 
good riddance that he was the one to write the letter and be like, y'all need to come snake these fucking dreams because something's clogging them. And it's not KFC. <laughs> Surprise, it's bodies. Surprise, motherfucker. Surprise. <laughs> Surprise, motherfucker. It's bodies. Oh, God. The following day after he dismembered, or the following day after he murdered Stephen, um, an acquaintance of his, like, came to the apartment and was like, hey, like, can I come in? Like, are you busy? I was in town. Um, and Dennis was like, no, you can't fucking come in. Um, and the reason being was because he was still dismembering Stephen's body on the floor of his kitchen. He's like, yeah, you can't, um, you can't come in right now because I'm chopping a body up in my kitchen and, um... Maybe later, though. Maybe, yeah, maybe later when I'm done. I've had a minute to, like, clean up and, you know, shove everything down the drain and boil the head and the hands and the feet. Do my whole little thing. But now's not a good time. It's really not a good time. I'm kind of indecent right now. I'm not decent right now. And the friend's probably like, bro, the fuck? Literally. What the fuck? He's like, I, so... Dennis is like, sorry, man. I can't I don't do it. Know you, just, you. you gotta come back later. I got. I, I'm don't. busy doing things. My ankle. I feel like I got the beatus. <laughs> <laughs> my whole foot. Little Vienna sausages. Oh my god. Not the beatus. <laughs> oh man. So now we're going to kind of circle back to where we started, part one, talking about uh, Michael Catron and how he comes to the apartments. Um. Actually, the next day. So, originally, he came kind of late on February 8th. Mm-hmm. So, it's now 7.30 in the morning on February 9th, 1983. And Michael Catron and his supervisor returned to the apartments at 23 Cranley to finish the job that Catron had been unable to complete the previous day. Suspiciously, though, when the two men opened up the drain, they noticed that it had been thoroughly cleaned out. That, like, mysterious chunk of flesh-looking thing wasn't there anymore. Sus. What a surprise. Dennis. He's they, like, let me go back. Yeah, he's like, you know what? This one's actually probably a bad call. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go I'm gonna go clean that out myself. Oh, God. Um, thankfully, though, Michael and his supervisor, they did not want to leave before they had thoroughly looked into the source of the blockage themselves. So they still begin to clean out what was left in the drain, and they actually came across some, like, lingering scraps of flesh and four bones in a pipe leading from the drain, which linked to the top apartment of the house, which was, coincidentally, Dennis's apartment. He lived in the top apartment in the attic. Um, when they looked at the bones, both men thought that they looked like they came from a human hand. Ooh. So, Ooh. Uh, they're like, that's, that's suspicious. That's, that's weird. That's weird. That's suspicious. That's a little sus. Well, just a little bit. A little sus. Little, little weird at this point. So they're like, you know what? We might be a little bit over our heads right now. Mm -hmm. So they immediately call the police. And upon closer inspection, um, discovered... So the police come and they look at the drain. And upon closer inspection, they discover further small bones and scraps of what looked to the naked eye like either human or animal flesh in the same pipe that the four hand bones are found in. These remains were taken to the mortuary at Hornsey, where pathologist David Bowen advised police that the remains were human and that one particular piece of flesh he concluded had been from a neck and it bore a ligature mark. Upon learning from fellow tenants that the top floor apartment from where the human remains had been flushed belonged to Dennis Nilsson, Detective Chief Inspector Peter Jay and two colleagues opted to wait outside the house until Dennis returned home from work. When Dennis returned home, um, DCIJ introduced himself and his colleagues, explaining they had come to inquire about the blockage in the drains from his apartment. Dennis asked why the police were interested in his drains, and also whether or not the two officers present with Jay were health inspectors. Jay informed Dennis that the the two others were also police officers, and he requested access to Dennis's apartment to discuss the matter further. Um, Dennis is like, sure. Come on in. We can have a little chat. We can talk about what's going on. So the three officers followed Dennis into his apartment, and they're, like, immediately, like, basically smacked in the face by the smell of rotting flesh. Like, anybody who's ever, like, talked about, like, what decay smells like, it's like you smell it once, and you'll never forget that smell. And if you smell it. And if you smell it again, you know right away, like, that is the smell 
of decomposition. And so authors walk in, immediately smacked in the face with it. Smells mm-hmm. like decomposition, rotting flesh. They're like, what the fuck? So they get into the apartment, and Dennis, um, he starts to question further as to why the police were interested in his drains, to which he was informed that the blockage had been caused by human remains. Dennis, like, fakes surprise. He's like, oh, God, oh, that's terrible. How awful is it? And the police are like, A, it's your drain. Dumbfounded. And B, it smells like rotting human corpses in your apartment. Why are you surprised? (laughs) And Dennis is putting on, like, the fucking show of his life. He's Mm -mm. like, oh, how terrible. I could never imagine that, da, da, da. And, like, DCIJ, he's like, bro, shut the fuck up. Um, So in response to Dennis's fake surprise, Jay replies, quote, don't mess about. Where's the rest of the body? And Dennis immediately drops the facade, and he just response calmly and he admits that the remainder of the body could be found in two plastic bags in a nearby wardrobe from which jay and his colleagues noted the overpowering smell of decomposition was coming from the officers didn't go open that wardrobe but asked dennis whether there were any other body parts to be found to which dennis replied quote it's a long story it goes back a long time i'll tell you everything i want to get it off my chest not here though at the police station so he's like i'm caught i'm gonna tell you everything fuck it, <laughs> fuck it. Like, might got, as well you got my bodies in the drain there's that's a body what, in my fucking closet that's what i don't understand like with serial killers who get caught and like like actually get caught and there's no way you're getting out of this why drag it just admit right because at this point you're going down anyway seriously like it was like when we did um charles albright the eyeball killer and he eventually admitted he's like yeah i did kill those women but he like refused to say that he cut their eyes out literally like Like, at this point you admitted to murder like why just not at this point just fuck it he really tried to say that he's like yeah i murdered him but somebody else cut their eyes out like, bro! God. <laughs> the fuck? Oh, man. So, immediately after this, they waste no time. Dennis is arrested um, on suspicion of murder before they take him to the police station. While en route to the police station, Dennis was asked whether the remains in his apartment belonged to one person or two. And staring out the window of the police car, he replied, 15 or 16, since 1978. Ooh. So the officer's like, What? It's like the surprise Pikachu face. He's like, he's like one or two. He's like, yeah, 15 or 16. And he goes, uh, I'm sorry, what'd you say? Can you repeat that, please? Then he's just like looking like longingly out the window. <laughs> he's like, uh, 15 or 16 bodies. You know, I don't know, just about. Not, not, you know, been at little, this since 1970. Yeah. A little light. Yeah. A little light side. He's like, give or take, <laughs> maybe one or two bodies. Can't remember. It's been going on since 1978, though. I imagine, like, like fucking lighting up a cig or something. He's like, you know, like, 50 or 16 bodies. You know, just nothing like too crazy. Fucking casually chatting about it. Like, they're just fucking talking about what he had for breakfast that day. Like, yeah, yeah, I murdered about 50 or 16 people. And, like, DCIJ is like, bro, what the fuck? <laughs> just like, <laughs> he's like, this is not how I expected my date to go. Wait, I expected, to, I expected this to be a little harder? Like, Yeah, right? He's like, like, that was the first two? I thought maybe I would have to work for this, but nah, you're just fucking dropping confessions all over the place here, buddy. Yeah, Dennis is like, yeah, I'm, I'm God. I might as well fucking admit to everything. So that evening, um, Detective Superintendent Chambers accompanied DCI Jay and Bowen to Cranley Gardens, where the plastic bags were removed from the wardrobe and taken to the Hornsey Mortuary. One bag was found to contain two dissected torsos, one of which had been vertically dissected in a shopping bag containing various internal organs. The second bag contained a human skull that was almost completely devoid of flesh, a severed head, and a torso with arms attached but hands missing. Um, so now they got him in the police station. They're like, Dennis, Danny boy, you gotta tell us. You gotta tell us what the fuck happened here. You gotta let us know. So, in an interview conducted on February 10th, Dennis confessed there were further human remains stowed in a tea chest in his living room, with other remains inside an upturned drawer in his bathroom. The dismembered body parts were the bodies of three men, all of whom he had killed by strangulation, usually with a necktie. One victim he could not name, other he knew only as John the Guardsman, and the third he identified as Stephen Sinclair. 
He also stated that beginning in December 1978, he had killed, quote, 12 or 13 men at his former address, 195 Melrose Avenue. Dennis also admitted to having unsuccessfully attempted to kill approximately seven other people who had either escaped or on one occasion had been at the brink of death but had been revived and allowed to leave his apartment. A further search for additional remains at Cranley Gardens on February 10th revealed the lower section of a torso and two legs stowed in a bag in the bathroom and a skull, a section of a torso, and various bones in the tea chest. The same day, Dennis accompanied police to Melrose Avenue, where he indicated in three locations in the rear garden where he had burned the remains of his victims. Um, Dennis was adamant that he was uncertain as to why exactly he killed, simply saying, quote, I'm hoping you will tell me that when asked his motives for the murders. He's like, no, no, you tell me. He literally like a fucking he's Uno reverse. Like, he's like, no, you tell me. He's like interested to hear their theories. Yeah, right. Him. He's like, no, no, what do you think? You think I'm crazy? He's like, like, hmm. like I want to hear what you have to yeah, say. Yeah, he's like fucking tucking his hair. He's like, I don't know anything, but he's tucking his hair behind his ears. You know? <laughs> he's yeah, like, you tell me. Hmm. <laughs> like trying to be fucking coy about it. Yeah, he's like, well, I don't know. You like, I don't what do you think? Know. <laughs> and they're like, Dennis, give the, the shit. Fuck. Cut the shit. Shut the fuck. Up. <laughs> Just fucking say it. Dennis, literally, shut the fuck up, Dennis. Um, he was also adamant that the decision to kill was not made until moments before the act of murder. Which, like, bro, there were multiple victims where you sat and contemplated murdering them for hours before you actually did it. Like, my guy. Stop lying. Stop the lying. Stop lying. Oh my god, do you remember that vine that was like, why the fuck you lying? Oh my god. Stop fucking lying. That's the cops yeah. of Dennis Nelson right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, most of the victims had died by strangulation. On several occasions, he had drawn the victims once they had been strangled into unconsciousness. Once the victim had been killed, he typically bathed the victim's body, shaved any hair from the torso to conform it to his physical ideal, then applied makeup to any obvious blemishes upon the skin. The body was usually dressed in socks and underpants before Dennis propped the victims around him as he talked to the corpse. With most victims, Dennis masturbated as he stood alongside or knelt above the body, and Dennis confessed to having occasionally engaged in intercrural sex, which if you don't know what that is, it's between the thighs, with his victims' bodies, and repeatedly stressed to investigators he had never actually penetrated his victims, explaining that his victims were, quote, too perfect and beautiful for the pathetic ritual of commonplace sex. Okay, bitch. <laughs> Such a fucking creep. After you just fucking murked them and right, like, like they're them and did bro, all this other shit with them. Yeah, this is the this is too much. That's yeah. crossing the line. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> like, like actually, like having penetrative sex. That's that's going too far. But don't get me wrong, I'll murder them. And I will molest fuck them. in between their thighs. I will fuck between them, I will jerk off on them, but I'm, I didn't stick my dick in them. I didn't do it. I didn't do that. And That's crossing like, the line. That's the cop's like, do you want us to pat you on the fucking back, you, like, you fucking you. sicko? Like, what? And the cop's like, you uh, sick, sick, sicko. You <laughs> sick, sick, sick person. <laughs> I could not be a cop because I'm like, you're like, the sickest motherfucker I have met. My face would literally be like, <laughs> face crack of this. I'd be like, literally, the, bro, what the fuck? Especially <laughs> after you'd be like, well, I didn't do this, though. I'd be like, because <laughs> that matters. <laughs> I don't think I could stop myself from telling you to really shut the fuck up. <laughs> I'd probably laugh. I'd be like, you're <laughs> fucking lying. Shut the fuck up. I'd be like, somebody... Somebody switch places. I need yeah, to be like, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta go. Uh, my mom's calling me. I gotta, I gotta go feed my <laughs> and pet. And they're like, they're like, you're centipede. You're, they're like, your mom's calling you. You're fucking twenty. I'm like, shh, my mom's calling me. <laughs> I gotta go. I can't be here anymore. Um, in several instances as well, he talked to the victim's body as it remained seated in a chair, prone on his bed, and he recalled being emotional as he admired the beauty of their bodies. Dennis specifically mentioned Kenneth Ockenden, saying that Kenneth's body, quote, the saying, quote, Kenneth's body and skin were very beautiful, adding that the sight almost brought him to tears. You murdered him. You murdered him. 
You <laughs> murdered him. I like. You murdered him, bro. Come on. Like, I was almost brought to tears, but. Dude! Dennis. I'd be like, Dennis. You need help. If you're listening from hell, Dennis, what the I fuck? I hope you're in therapy. <laughs> with, the, with Satan. Yeah. Satan has like a therapy group every week. <laughs> it's For murders. Like, like Jeffrey Dahmer, Ted Bundy, fucking John Wayne Gacy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're all sitting in a circle. <laughs> group therapy. Hi, my name is Jeffrey Dahmer, and I have a murder problem. Oh my god. <laughs> Jeffrey Dahmer and Dennis Olsen are probably best friends. Yeah. They're like, oh my god, you murdered boys and had sex with their bodies? Oh my god, yeah, oh my god, you did that too? But you oh my be god, me besties! Too. Me too! And meanwhile, like, all the other people are like, what the fuck? Literally. <laughs> all the other people are like, oh, I murder people. Yeah, I was like, I just fucking, like, bludgeon people to death. Like, y'all were fucking their bodies? And then Dennis was like, I never stuck my dick in them. <laughs> Satan's like... All right, he's like, he's like weirdly snapping. He's like, yay, Dennis. Not for anybody that happens to be religious listening to this podcast. Oh, so what are you doing here? <laughs> yeah, one, I don't really know why you would be listening, and two, meh, <laughs> <laughs> meh. I'm not sorry. <laughs> Oh my god. Uh, anyways, so please also question Dennis on his method of disposing of the parts of the victim's bodies that they were not able to find hidden in the apartment. And Dennis stated that he had frequently boiled the heads of his victims in a large cooking pot on his stove so that the internal contents basically evaporated. Um, this made it so Dennis would not have to worry about disposing of the brain and the flesh on the head. He dissected the torsos and limbs and then flushed the internal organs and smaller bones down the toilet. This was the only method he could think to use since he no longer had access to a garden in which he could burn the remains like he had at 195 Melrose. Oftentimes as well, Dennis masturbated next to the bodies before he began the process of dissecting them. Dennis stated to police that this was his way of saying his final goodbye to his victims. When questioned as to whether he had any remorse for his crimes, Dennis replied, quote, I wished I could stop, but I couldn't. I had no other thrill or happiness. He also emphasized that he took no pleasure from the act of killing, but, quote, worshipped the art in the act of death. Well, then he should have did it to himself. Yeah. <laughs> Kill yourself. <laughs> Fucking Dennis. As he would say, too horny for death. Too horny. He was too horny for death. He could not stop himself. So, though he confessed to 15 or 16 killings and police found remains from multiple bodies in his apartment, Dennis was initially only charged with the murder of Stephen Sinclair. <clears throat> Dennis caused some trouble while he was in prison awaiting trial. Um, the first thing was he objected to wearing a prison uniform, <laughs> and in Bro. protest, he threatened to just not wear any clothes at all. <laughs> what the fuck? Dennis <laughs> is a weirdo. He is. He's a fucking creep. Even in prison, if we haven't established this already, he's a fucking weird. Even in prison, you're fucking weird. Seriously, like he was. I'm a- sure all the inmates were like, "Dude, what the yeah, fuck?" I know. Like they're probably like, "Yo, that Dennis, he's a fucking freak, bro." Um, so... Please don't sling your dick around me. Yeah, right? Um, as a result of his threat to just not wear clothes, he was just not allowed to leave his cell. Like, if you want to be naked, like, you're the best. not leaving your cell. On August 1st, 1983, Dennis threw the contents of his chamber pot out of his cell, hitting several police officers. Oh, shit. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> um, this incident resulted in Dennis being found guilty of assaulting prison officers and subsequently spending 56 days in solitary confinement. On May 26, 1983, Dennis was committed to stand trial at the Old Bailey on five counts of murder and two of attempted murder, and a sixth murder charge was later added. Initially, Dennis intended to plead guilty to all charges, but then five weeks before his trial, he fired his defense attorney and hired another one who urged Dennis to plead not guilty due to diminished responsibility. Basically, insanity plea. Why? I hate defense attorneys. I really do. Yeah. It's like, I know your job is to, like, but this... Just cut the deal, bro. Right. Cut the deal. Give him fucking life in prison. Like, no. No. Like, this is who you want out and about. 
I mean, just just because they plead not guilty due to insanity doesn't necessarily mean they're going right, to be released. But like, there's a better chance. Yeah. When the doctors are Possibly. like, yeah, he's, yeah okay. He's, he's okay. They yeah. can pretend to be fine all they right. want. Yeah, I don't think it's like this. I don't know if you have to go through like, like hearings and stuff like you do if you go in front of a parole board i i I, I really don't know how that process works but yeah um defense attorneys who try to do this shit y'all go fuck yourselves literally thank you no thank you so dennis's trial started on october 24th 1983 due to dennis's thorough confessions the trial was less about um proving that dennis had killed the victims and more so about what his state of mind had been before and after the murders again they're going for insanity they have to prove Mm -hmm. that he was insane insane Mm -hmm. at the time of the murders the prosecuting counsel alan green argued that dennis was sane in full control of his actions and had killed with premeditation Mm -hmm. the defense counsel ivan lawrence argued that Dennis suffered from diminished responsibility, rendering him incapable of forming the intention to commit murder and should therefore be convicted only of manslaughter. Huh. Yeah, like, bro. Come on, bro. Not only did he thoroughly think about what he was going to do before he murdered, he, he cut them up and flushed them down literally the came up with a thorough way to get rid of the for bodies. For years to get rid of the bodies to not be discovered. Fucking bullshit. The first witness for the prosecution was Douglas Stewart, who recounted how he had gone back to Dennis's apartment with him and woke up to Dennis attempting to strangle him, and how when he overpowered Dennis, Dennis shouted at him to just take his money. So this was, um, in part one, the guy that mm-hmm. um, Dennis brought home that, like, as he strangled, he's like, I thought he was going to rob me, so I had to kill him. Yeah. This was this man. <laughs> The defense tried to poke holes in Douglas's testimony, calling into question his recollection and suggesting that Douglas was overemphasizing certain parts of the story since he'd previously stole his so- sold imagine, his story to the press. Imagine being a, a victim, and that is yeah, what and they on, say. right, and on cross, so like you're lying, yeah, and you're like, I'm not fucking lying. Why would I lie about this? Why would I lie fucking- about this? And he already admitted to killing all these people, right? Oh. <laughs> like that's the thing. It's like he admitted to killing so many people. Like that's not what this. Like why would I lie? Wait. What reason? What benefit would I have to lie about this? But yeah, the defense attorney was like, mm, "We think you're embellishing because like you've already sold your story to the press, so you just want like more opportunity to like get press attention and get more money." Um, further testimony was given by Paul Nobbs, the young man who had gone home with Dennis on the promise of alcohol and sex, and woke up the next morning with a raging headache and severely bloodshot eyes. So, my theory is that he had petechial hemorrhaging, Mm -hmm. which, for anybody listening, if you don't know what petechial hemorrhaging is, when you are strangled, um, the blood vessels vessels in your eyes will burst. Yeah. And that's a petechial hemorrhage. It's like sometimes when you blow your nose too hard. Yeah. Or, like, sneeze too too hard. hard. (laughs) You can pop a blood vessel in your eyeball. And think about that just, like, times a million. Yeah. Um, Nobbs testified that when Dennis saw him, he told him that he, quote, looked bloody awful and that he should go see a doctor. The next to testify was Carl Stoddard, who recounted his experience with Dennis trying to drown him in the bathtub while he begged for his life, and how he later awoke to Dennis's dog licking his... Oh, this entire time, Dennis is a dog. What the fuck? Yeah. Its name is, let him have a dog? I think its name is, like, Bleep. What the fuck? <laughs> you know? What the fuck? His name is Bleep. Dennis is weird. Yeah, like, he's just got his fucking dog chilling out there, too. Like, the whole time, dogs is around. Poor dog. Little Bleep doesn't know what the fuck is going on. Aww. And so Carl wakes up to Bleep licking his face, mm. after which Dennis told him the story he concocted of Carl nearly strangling himself in the sleeping bag and Dennis dunking him in the water in order to revive him. Um, DCIJ also testified to how calm Dennis had been during his confessions, talking about the murders very matter-of-factly with little to no emotion. In one of his statements, even saying, quote, I have no tears for my victims, I have no tears for myself, nor those bereaved by my actions. She's like, I'm not fucking sorry. I'm too horny for death. Clearly. Too horny for murder. (laughs) Um, Dennis's confessions were also read in full during the trial. This testimony included graphic descriptions of the ritualistic and sexual acts Dennis performed with the victim's bodies, his various methods of storage of bodies and body parts, dismemberment and disposal, and the problems decomposition, particularly regarding colonies of maggots, tended to cause him. Several jurors were visibly shaken throughout this testimony. Others looked at Dennis in sheer disbelief as Dennis listened to the testimony with apparent indifference. Sitting there fucking twiddling his thumbs. He was like, oh yeah, I did say that. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, that is true. Mm -hmm. And the jurors are like, 
bro, this guy's the fucking devil. He's <laughs> 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 the fucking devil. Just doesn't give a shit. Not at all. He's like, yeah, I did do that, didn't I? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I forgot about that one. So many murders, you can't fucking keep track of all of them. So this testimony lasted until the following morning when the prosecution included several exhibits into evidence. This included the cooking pot in which Dennis had boiled the heads of the three victims he killed at Cranley Gardens, the cutting board he had used to dissect John Howlett, and several rusted, rusted, wow, rusted catering knives which had formerly belonged to victim Martin Duffy. Two psychiatrists tested on, tested, wow, I can't fucking talk. Let's try that again. Let's try that again. Two psychiatrists testified on behalf of the defense. The first of these, James McKeith, began his testimony on October 26th, and McKeith testified as to how, through a lack of emotional development, Dennis experienced difficulty expressing any emotion other than anger and his tendency to treat other human beings as components of his fantasies. McKeith also... I just fucking list. Also. Also. McKeith also described Dennis's association between unconscious bodies and sexual arousal, stating that Dennis possessed narcissistic traits, an impaired sense of identity, and was able to depersonalize other people. Like, no fucking shit, obviously. He stated in his conclusions that um, Nilsson displayed many signs of maladaptive behavior, the combination of which in one man would be lethal. The second psychiatrist to testify for the defense was Patrick Galway, who diagnosed Dennis with borderline false self as if pseudonormal narcissistic personality disorder with occasional outbreaks of schizoid disturbances. So he's like, he's got borderline personality disorder, he's a narcissist, and he's schizophrenic. Upon cross-examination, Green largely focused upon the degree of awareness shown by Dennis and his ability to make decisions. Galway conceded that Dennis was intellectually aware of his actions, but stressed that due to his personality disorder, Dennis did not appreciate the criminal nature of what he had done. Which I'm calling bullshit on, because why go to those lengths to get rid of the bodies if you don't understand the criminal nature of what you've done? Literally. And he even, like, says, like, Remember when we talked about in part one how he, like, dumped a bag of, like, body parts in the park? And he's mm-hmm. like, oh, if they'd only looked at it a little closer, they yeah. would have got me. Literally. Like, he clearly... This, mm-hmm. he didn't know what's going on. Angle is such bullshit, dude. And also, like, the plumber came, thought it was body parts, and before he could come back, you removed it because right. you knew you were going to get caught. Exactly. He's like, so, like, oh. you know. Literally. You... There's no... It's absolutely ridiculous to try to say that he didn't understand what he was doing was criminal. After the testimonies concluded on November 3rd, 1983, the jury retired to deliberate. The following day, the jury returned with a majority verdict of guilty upon six counts of murder and one of attempted murder with a unanimous verdict of guilty in relation to the attempted murder of Paul Nobbs. The judge sentenced Dennis to life imprisonment with a recommendation that he serve a minimum of 25 years. The minimum term of 25 years imprisonment to which Dennis was sentenced in 1983 was replaced by a whole life tariff by Home Secretary Michael Howard in December of 1994. This ruling ensured Dennis would never be released from prison, a punishment which he accepted. God bless. Um, From prison in 1992, Dennis gave an interview to Central TV during which he um, very honestly and very frankly spoke about his crimes. Right. He also wrote hundreds of pages of an autobiography, which were posthumously published under Dennis's chosen title, quote, History of a Drowning Boy, which he said referred to his concepts of the tranquility of death following his grandfather's death and his own near-fatal drowning in 1954. That was the memoir that I pulled all those quotes mm-hmm. from. Um, when writing about the murders, Dennis claimed that his emotional state upon the dates of the murders, in conjunction with the amount of alcohol he had consumed, were both core factors in his decision to kill. He further emphasized that when feeling low, seizing an opportunity to satisfy the sexual fantasies he had developed in which the victim is the young, attractive, and passive partner, and he, the older, active partner, temporarily relieved him of his general feelings of inadequacy. He's like, I didn't like myself, so I had to kill people because that made me feel good. Ew. Bitch. Hey. So fast forward to May 10th, 2018, Dennis was taken from HMP Full Sutton to York Hospital after complaining of severe stomach pains. He was found to have a ruptured abdominal aortic aneurysm, which was repaired, although he subsequently suffered a blood clot as a complication of the surgery. Okay. And Dennis died a couple days later on May 12th. Good bitch. 
A subsequent postmortem examination revealed that the immediate cause of Dennis's death was pulmonary embolism and retroperitoneal hemorrhage, which is basically a hemorrhage and bleeding in the lining of the stomach. Dennis is a bitch. Karma is a bitch. Mm-hmm. Like I love when people do terrible things, die, and they die painfully. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Karma's a that bitch. was waiting for you. Mm-hmm. That was waiting for you. Mm-hmm. Dennis's crimes have been the subjects of multiple films and crime documentaries, the most recent of which being Memories of a Murderer, The Nilsson Tapes, an 85-minute documentary available on Netflix released in 2021, and The Nilsson Files, a BBC two four, oh, a BBC two four-part series re-examining the Metropolitan Police investigation into Dennis's murders and exploring whether prejudice created missed or oh, whether prejudice created missed opportunities to apprehend Dennis, and this was released in 2022. So that kind of delved into, like, what we talked about a little bit, like, mm. the fact that there was, like, so much homophobia that police are just like, mm, we're not touching that. Um, but yeah, fuck Dennis. Yeah, for real. He got what he deserved, died painfully, mm-hmm. love to see it. But yeah, that's, uh, the long, weird Dennis the fucking story of weirdo. Dennis Nelson. Weird. Literally. He is a creeper. Fucking weird. Weird. Weird, weird, weird. Weird. Ick. Weird. Ick. Yeah, you know what gives me the ick? Dennis fucking Nelson. (laughs) He was gross. Mm -mm. Yeah. Um, Hope he's rotting in hell. Yeah. Hope he's... In his murder circle. Yeah, murder... Group murder... Murder... Murder group therapy? I was like, what order do I have to put those words in? Group murder therapy? Group murder therapy. Murder murder or group therapy? I don't know. Group murder therapy makes it sound like they're having therapy by murdering people. <laughs> murder yeah. murder group therapy. <laughs> Hosted by Satan. Yes. Hosted by Satan himself. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. We're going to wrap this shit up. This episode has it's been too long. So, yeah. if you made it this far, thank you for listening. Um, give us five stars. On Only. Only. <laughs> Only <laughs> if you are thinking of giving us any other anything other than five stars, don't do it. Don't. Yeah. Just you, don't leave just, anything. Yeah. Just don't just listen keep it to this yourself. podcast ever again. That's all you gotta yourself. do. That's all you gotta do. And if you don't like us laughing, please fuck off. Um, we just had six hundred followers on the Instagram, so Ayo. please go follow that at TSRH Podcast. You can also follow our Facebook page, also at TSRH Podcast. Mm-hmm. If you want to chat, send us case recommendations. Buy our merch. Buy our merch. That link, yes, that link is in the bio of the Instagram. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Um. What was I saying? Oh, you can also email us, TSRHpodcast. Another soul just came out of my body. (laughs) Emily is now from fucking the bayou. (laughs) The bayou. Um, What the fuck was I saying? TSRHpodcast at gmail.com. Next week, I think we're doing the uh, listener request case. Yeah. Yeah. So look Mm -hmm. out for that. I'm not going to say what day it's going to be out or when we're going to record because we can never stick our own fucking schedule. We jinx ourselves. Every time we jinx ourselves. We're like, we are doing this every Saturday and it's like three weeks later. (laughs) (laughs) So the only promise we'll make is we'll we'll try to get it out as soon as we can. (laughs) It'll come to you eventually. It'll come to you eventually. Just uh, don't hold your breath on it. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, your favorite inconsistent podcast. Yes. (laughs) You know, <laughs> Maybe if we were actually getting paid for this and not working full time jobs, we would stick to it. Yeah, absolutely. If I was getting schedule. paid from this, I would absolutely do this. Yeah, this is like my job. I would have it <laughs> scheduled. You y'all would be getting like multiple a week. multiple episodes a week, man. So. You know, hey, go follow the Instagram. Once we can get a few thousand followers, maybe we can, maybe we can <laughs> get verified a little. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, anyways, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate all of you. We'll see you in the next one. Autumn, you have any other thoughts for the people? Not a motherfucking thing. Any thoughts for Dennis? He can go fuck himself. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll end with that. <laughs> Thank y'all so much for listening, and we'll see you in the next one. Bye. Bye.